and welcome to this episode of Sports Communities Doing Sport Differently podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Palace, founder and CEO of Sports Community. And today's discussion is one I'm really proud and excited to present. In a few moments, we'll hear from Dr. Ryan Storr, who is co-founder of Proud to Play, and Deborah Jones, board member of Archery Victoria. Ryan and Deborah are going to talk about how they worked collaboratively to introduce resources, processes and procedures into archery that were all about making it easier for those from the LGBTIQ plus community to become involved in community sport. By way of background, Proud to Play's mission is to ensure that all from the LGBTIQ plus community feel safe and confident to lead healthy and active lifestyles in inclusive environments. Sadly, a very real problem today is that many from the LGBTIQ plus community are currently disengaged from sport and recreation. And a major reason for this is many simply don't feel comfortable or in some instances even safe participating in community sports club activities. To address this reality, Proud to Play partners with state, national, peak sporting associations at all levels to influence change through education, policy development, research and events And today, Ryan's going to explain to us much of those, the work of Proud to Play and how they apply this within archery clubs in Victoria. But before we dive into the interview, I'd really like to acknowledge our partnership with Vic Health and how grateful we are for the opportunity to share the stories and successes of sports clubs and organisations around Australia, around Victoria, who are doing sport differently. For In this interview, I found it fascinating to hear Deborah share her experiences with how Proud to Play helped from their perspective as the perspective of the peak sports body for archery in Victoria make a difference in their clubs, while Ryan shares several valuable insights from the research about how community sports volunteers can can really make a difference. Each episode, we celebrate a club who is doing sport differently. And today, it was my great pleasure to introduce my interview with Dr. Ryan Storr and Deborah Jones. Proud to Play. Do you want to just give us a little bit of background on what Proud to Play is? And and you're the co-founder. So why was it? Why did you found Proud to Play? Yes, so Pride to Play, we're a um, registered charity here in Victoria and we are basically a peak organisation for LGBT inclusion in sport. Um, so we have a um, registered peak body now through Sport and Recreation Victoria um, and we basically help the sports sector in terms of sport for development and sport development um, in the sense of helping the sector be more inclusive to LGBTIQ plus people. Um, it was very much set up, so a very, very brief background to kind of mine, which I think um, people on this call will probably appreciate. So I did my PhD within sports volunteers. So I actually um, looked at how volunteers in community sport clubs respond to diversity and inclusion policies. Um, and I think one of the main things to come out of that research was just the lack of 
um, proactive things going on around LGBT inclusion in sport specifically. Um, one of the key things that stood out was that if there were like, let's say vilification or um, alter physical altercations and things like that, and it would maybe get addressed at tribunals, um, nothing was ever mentioned about homophobia in particular or, or transphobia. So there was a big gap kind of in the sector. Um, and it's not necessarily that people didn't want to or people don't want to do work in this space. They very much do. Um, it's just they weren't often, they didn't feel confident in doing this. They'd maybe never engage with LGBT inclusion. They didn't know what it meant. They didn't know how to do it within the context of their club. So many people might have supportive attitudes towards this work, but they're kind of in a position thinking, well, how do I actually do this? Where do I start? How do I maybe address it? How do I engage with the wider community? Um, and then we kind of went from there. So we started off quite small and then it's basically gone from strength to strength and I think it's a testament to the sport community and the volunteers who run these clubs they want to engage and they want to be reflective of the communities that they serve um, so we're kind of just like a hand-holding organization as such that will help organizations and clubs be more inclusive and actually attract and grow their sports and clubs to a wider audience because we know from research um, sport hasn't always been welcoming towards LGBT plus people. Well and in that uh, we were talking before before we went live that that was a real surprise to me, and I, I started to learn about this you, you, the journey of LGBT, LGBTI plus people when I started to read some research in two thousand and fourteen that came out of Canberra about the experiences that clubs were creating consciously and subconsciously, and it it just didn't match up with the experiences that I. I'd grown up in. So, Deb, uh, from from a, you come at it from a couple of different angles, uh, being the peak body, overseeing a whole group of or a whole state worth of clubs, and also at the club level. Why was um, this program that we'll talk about in just a moment? But why why getting involved in a very much an inclusive program such as the Proud to Play program and resources? Why did why did Archery Victoria um, take the step in, into the program? Um, I think uh, Ryan sort of hit the nail on the head before when he talked about um, wanting uh, wanting their clubs and their sports to be uh, representative of the community um, that they are immersed in. Um, that's very much true of us. Um, and in particular, um, archery is a sport that is um, has we've recognised for years and in our recruiting, I guess, in our attempts to get more people involved in archery, we recognise that we have a lot of capacity to be incredibly inclusive. Um, we, you know, there are para archers, there are blind archers. Yep. Um, you can participate in it at all ages. Um, and so from that point of view, I guess, um, inclusion has been um, um, very much front of mind for us um, in trying to expand our membership. Um, but on another level altogether, you know, on a human level, um, all of us um, have at some time or another experienced that feeling of not knowing if we were welcome in an environment, I'm thinking particularly in the teenage years, and to and to go through life um, experiencing that continually, um, I can't even imagine what that would be like, um, yeah. but I certainly want to avoid um, exposing people in our sport that we love to that type of um, um, situation. And Ryan, is it is it 
conscious or unconscious behavior that's causing the major problems? Because when I talk to clubs, they say we are inclusive. And again, it's, it, gender equality would be equally pull into this discussion as well. They say anyone can join our club, anyone can join our committees, anyone can participate. And so and if I'm paraphrasing a conversation that I've been part of many, many times, it's not our fault if they don't. Now that's not necessarily true, but I do want to I do want to explore these kind of subconscious barriers and conscious or oh, sorry, discrimination and 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 conscious discrimination just for a moment. It, how do you see that? Yeah, good question. I'm just writing that down so I don't forget. Um, the first part about um, really interesting point about we welcome everybody. Um, yeah, one yeah. of the- one of the challenges around that is, yes, generally at the surface level, you might not, or people might not understand, and that's the best approach to have. And that's kind of based on equality. But if we think about equity, not everybody's the same. And the fundamental issue with that is, especially our doors are always open, we welcome everybody, we treat everybody the same. Everybody isn't the same. And unfortunately, LGBTI people are specifically different. So there's an assumption that everybody might be heterosexual, if in terms of we treat everyone the same and that we treat everybody the same who might not be transgender. So I think it's really kind of important to actually check that unconscious bias that by treating everybody the same, ultimately, there might be good intentions, but fundamentally the foundations of that are actually incorrect. So I think um, the main kind of other challenge with that is um, understanding the needs of LGBTI plus people. I think one of the things to kind of take away from this would be the idea of safe spaces. So for example, I've done a few research projects over the years around LGBT inclusion in sport environments. One of the ones I did was around the Big Bash and the AFL and supporter groups. For many um, LGBTI people, especially trans and gender diverse people, the thought of going to the MCG or a football stadium is absolutely out of the question. It's not a safe space for them. They might hear homophobia in the stands. Yep. They might um, try and access an in- a bathroom facility and um, have things said to them. So unfortunately, the same kind of thing, although a club might think can actually be very inclusive, ultimately people within the LGBTI community don't perceive that. So this is why it's really important that we actually break down those barriers. And if you do have, for example, an archery club in rural Victoria, um, that they actually do kind of make efforts to say, we are welcome of everybody and we actually do welcome LGBTI people. And that could be um, a visible flag on the website or trying to engage community members is really small things but ultimately in the society that we live in and we think we've only just got marriage equality like recently um it's still a long way to go and unfortunately we kind of do need to make attempts and efforts to actually say we are inclusive because i know sports clubs are and i know volunteers would be mortified that they're not actually including people but it's just the fact that they might not have that education around it it's not it's no malice or anything like that well, we're going to come to the education in, in just a moment and the and the, the great program that that all both of your organizations with the help of of Vic Health and and Southwest Sport um, have created these resources to help us. But your your point it actually really just made a whole lot of sense. I've never been able to articulate it before because you know, we're open to we're equal to everybody. 
but what what you said by being open and equal to everybody equally it that is what has created the barrier to to the community that has created the environment where they're they're not safe and and that realization that that they do have needs that that are um different to what what their tradi- traditionally club participants have got that that is the key i think the key message out of even today's session is that all people aren't equal and they do have different needs and i think that's to recognize that's really important yeah and i think ultimately that's where like we have things like pride games and there's an organization who we work closely with pride cup um which is a celebration of diversity so many for many years lgbt um people will have had significant shame and societal shame about being LGBT. Whereas we kind of trying to flip the script and actually thinking by hosting these events and things, it's actually celebrating. So yes, we are different and somebody who is LGBT is different, but we're celebrating that. And we actually see that as a strength within our club or our community sports club. So, so in, in tackling the, and I, it's, it's an education discussion, isn't it really? Because as you say, the volunteers are mortified to realise that the behaviour that they're doing in good faith is actually creating an, un, by and large, creating, I mean, well, if we exclude blatant conscious discrimination, and, and that's just unlawful, but if we create the education and then people will go, oh, okay, then they're, they're by and large happy to adjust. So, the resource, I love the fact that you've created a suite of resources, but you just didn't create them by yourself. You engaged Vic Health, South, Southwest Sport to help get the sports perspective, which then brought you back into the discussion, Deb. So when did you come into the, the equation of developing these resources, which we'll introduce in just a moment? Okay, so I was one of those, um, a number of people that uh, that Southwest Sport reached out to um, to assist with uh, um, having a look at the pilot uh, e-learning resource, um, and um, and um, uh, uh, I guess uh, going through and doing the modules um, in the form they were at, they weren't quite completed at that stage, um, and then giving our feedback on um, what we thought about um, about the module generally um, and I was incredibly impressed with it at that point in time um, and it also really um, opened my eyes to um, a lot of um, things that um, needed to be done in our club and in our organisation and that and some opportunities. So I've just brought up while you've been speaking, Deb, uh, the the proud to play. So proud the let number two play dot org dot au. Um, oops, I'm not on the not on the home page there. Let me take you back to the home page. It's the home page. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's the home page. And then on on one of the tabs is is the resources tab, which there's a lot of resources there, Ryan, that that you've developed. Uh, but the one that's the real feature resource is is the the online training module. So, what tell us about the online training module? Who should be taking it? Why should they be taking it? And what will they learn from taking it? Better write those three things down too. I should be yeah. questions <laughs> one at a time, shouldn't I? Sorry. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, a really um, important point 
um, that was just made um, around um, our, a lot of our work is through partnerships. Like, yes, we're an organization, but we do everything in partnership with yeah. um, organizations. And I think one of the things to kind of really hit home is this idea that there, I think last time, oh, I can't remember the stat, but there, there's a lot of volunteers and clubs in Victoria alone, um, thousands and thousands. Um, volunteers are doing the best that they can um, they're heavily burdened, um, time poor, and literally giving their whole lives to serve their communities and do these clubs. So when you're trying to throw policies onto them and asking them to do this and do that, um, and then you're kind of saying, right now you have to be inclusive of LGBT people, it can be overwhelming and challenging. And we know that volunteers are doing their best that they can with what they have, literally. Yeah. So we made a real conscious effort to try and make it absolutely as easy as possible and as accessible as possible to help and support these wonderful volunteers who are doing such great work um, in order to actually engage within this area. So we partnered and we had funding from um, Vic Health and we um, worked closely in collaboration um, with um, Southwest Sport. And look, it's really important because we can have great ideas and have this kind of product, but ultimately if it's not user-friendly or it doesn't serve the community needs, um, there, there's no point. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's really important and we uh, we can only thank you enough, um, Deb and everybody involved um, from Southwest Sport to actually be able to, to do this and get feedback. Um, so there's two parts that I guess the flagship thing is the idea of this online course. So people basically can, you log into um, play by the rules, create a free account. And then we designed a um, online training course, which is a very introductory thing around how you can create an LGBTI inclusive club um, yourselves and basic steps, terminology, basic things like we've run education sessions for a while, but I think it's been really interesting even with this live stream, how, um, how much further reach and actually engagement you can have by actually doing online. Like we would have loved to have done more work in regional and rural areas with the regional sports assemblies, but it's often been quite hard. Whereas yeah. instances like this, this now means that we can actually work and collaborate and help people in regional Victoria to do this work because we know that um, some of the research often does suggest that LGBTI people in rural and regional areas might not have the same access or might um, often make feel disconnected from other LGBTI people. So I think um, clubs have a really important role to actually um, be an inclusive space. So there's the um, online resource and then we also did like a range of posters and checklists and things like that that you can easily do. So it's very much there is, yeah, so there's posters and checklists and templates and things. So it's very user-friendly. We're not forcing you or saying you have to do this, but we're kind of just saying, look, for those of you who do want to embark on this journey or you do want to be more inclusive to LGBTI people, um, then um, we're basically here to support you and we're trying to make it as easy as possible for you to do that. Like you can do it in your own time, whenever you want, you can do as much or as little as you like. Deb, oh, oh, you've done it and and you're, you've now looked at it through the lens of A, a club and B, the, um, the peak sports body. The benefit of doing it, and if I can put the benefit of going through these programs and using these resources, if I can look at it through two lenses, if that's okay, One's the the moral and ethical side of, hey, we should be inclusive and representative of our communities. But the other side of it is it, you know, what's the, what have been the flow on benefits that you've seen in clubs or you expect to see in clubs 
is is it more participants is it is it more diversity what what are what are the benefits that you see about investing the scarcest time which is resource a uh, volunteers resources into this sort of um program okay so yeah there are multiple benefits and you usually don't realize um, what the benefits are going to be until you start to embark on this kind of process yeah. um so first of all you say you you do start from that moral moral and ethical point of view um, um, and clearly, as I mentioned before, we do hope to um, engage as many different people in the community who might be interested in our sport, in our sport. So that's a, a benefit if, we, if we're if we able to do that. But there's more to it than that. First of all, um, some of the changes that you might make within your clubs in particular, but also within your um, some of your um, aspects of your organisation, um, may more broadly benefit many participants than, than simply the um, community that you're trying to include. Um, I'm thinking here particularly um, around um, facilities. Um, as I've observed in the past when I was um, uh, a young mother, um, um, facilities that were designed for the disabled usually helped mums with prams. Facilities that are designed to make um, toilets, for example, safer and more accessible to the um, trans community usually make them safer and more accessible for parents also, because the gender subdivision causes us lots of issues and sometimes makes um, sometimes makes those spaces dangerous for um, people that are, are cisgender. Um, then um another benefit in our particular sport we we're a small sport we're a really b sport maybe yeah. a c sport in australia and in our sport we have a small number of participants overall um in the competitive space and we have a lot of subdivisions in our existing competitive space so we have um you know gender subdivisions and we have bow type subdivisions and we have age subdivisions and when you break the 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 uh, competition into this massive number of subdivisions, you end up with tiny numbers of participants in each subdivision, and it it uh, can really uh, I guess erode the meaningfulness of your of your of your competition. But it's not actually essential. Once you start to think about the subdivisions that you have, particularly I mean this in this space we start to think about the gender subdivision in the space. How can we, this causes us some issues and it's going to cause more issues into the future. Um, how can we deal with this? You start to rethink your entire um, structure and think yeah, there could be a better way of uh, yeah. organising ourselves. And, uh, and that's the real, that's my real, um, the real th thing I really hope for um, from this is that we manage to, um, uh, into the future, uh, revolutionise basically our competitive aspect of our sport. But um, starting from the community um, perspective, um, I think, yeah, it's more about um, engagement, uh, participation and um, providing um, uh, safe and um, equitable facilities for everyone. In, in your analogy to the ramps and the prams and the wheelchairs uh, is... 
is born out with in these live streams. We've had Stella from the Melbourne uh, from the Bush Rangers Basketball Club, and just even last week we had um, Linda Adams from Melbourne Front Runners, both um, LGBTI uh, clubs. And the one thing that struck me, they're massive clubs. Like when you create, it's it's the classic field of dreams. When you build it, they will come because there's a. Mm a huge demand for for um from the community for 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 that those sort of partic- safe participation options and and we're yeah. seeing example after example after example and Ryan one of the things that comes up in in the discussions with clubs is that particularly that have gone down the journey is that they start off saying well, no one's gay in our club. No one's gay in our community. So therefore, there's there's no need to do it. Fast forward one year, two years, three years, and they go, we just never realised that the 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 what people were going through or what they were experiencing, and um and that that to me is just a common theme that I'm hearing all the time now. Yeah, like I think um, that's a common thing that we get, especially when we're working with junior sports clubs. Um, yeah. But just just for context, the main perpetrators and those who enact homophobia are teenage boys. So that's a target that is obviously problematic and they're going to be in junior sports clubs. So yeah. often we kind of will, um, yeah, kind of uh, try and have some discussions around how we can actually do this. I did a recent research project that shows PE is still a very hostile environment for young LGBT people. And people might often say, yeah, we don't have any gay children or anything. But even if they're not necessarily out, if you're a closeted 16-year-old boy, you don't want to be hearing and subjected to homophobia um, in those spaces because ultimately you can internalise it and it suggests that um, there's something wrong with you or it's negative. So I think ultimately, now there's lots of, I've heard lots of quite nice successful stories about this. Like I'll just give you a little anecdote story we did an inclusive cricket program a couple of years ago in parkerville with um, a great club and um we did a four-week introductory program which targeted lgbt people and they didn't realize or they didn't know they had actually any kind of lgbt people within the club to start with but then after they did it they actually had two um a rainbow family two mums come forward and say oh we've actually um our son plays at the club, but we've never really felt that we could come down or we weren't sure. And now they're actually involved in the club and help volunteer and run the barbecue and stuff. And they're actually a a proactive part of the club. But it wasn't until they kind of did that program that suggested like reaching out to the community. And we hear lots about that because there's still a very large percentage and statistics of people involved in sport who aren't out. We know from the workplace that about 60% of LGBT people aren't out in the workplace still. So in terms of sport, people still kind of keep it to themselves. And we know stories from athletes who um, come out after and things like that. So it's still the case of like the community level. And ultimately, if we want people to enjoy their sport participation, they need to be able to do that as their authentic selves. So being able to actually kind of have those discussions. It's not to say that people are going to run down to the Oval with a rainbow flag kind of announcing "I'm, I'm here and I'm gay. It's more that you might have a conversation that you do have a partner or that you do have two mums or two dads or things like that. Well, and if I, one of the great resources, I'm just going to bring the screen back up, is the 
checklist that you've created and let me and just just running through the questions on the checklist and I won't run through them all but it goes to the heart of of the subconscious or the unconscious subconscious bias you know when people at your club hear homophobic or transphobic language even understanding what that is 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 going to be new for a lot of a lot of people because language that we've always used um, is now now absolutely understood to be unacceptable. Um, and well, let me rephrase that: is having a really negative consequence on on groups of people, and so therefore unacceptable. Uh, picking another one, we have policies and guidelines such as L- LGBTI. Uh, plus inclusion guidelines. We offer participation formats that do not segregate participants by gender. And that's, Deb, that's what you're coming mm. back to. And that was one of the discussions with Stella with the Bush Rangers Basketball Club in in going, well, well why do we do that? And, and how do we have those sort of competitions that allow everyone to play? And as we're seeing sport move so much social to, towards social participation deb that actually might be a lot easier because the social participation is more about fun inclusion and then people start on the the different pathways so that might 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 be a little bit easier uniforms who would have thought that uniforms and the way we dress uh has that impact and deb has archery made any changes in that regard um as 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 coming out of this process Oh look, no, we're we're pretty free and easy on on uniforms. Um, <laughs> people dress fairly unisex in our sport. Um, they dress comfortably by and large. Um, uh, but um, uh, so that that's probably not one that touches us too much. We don't have the sort of girl shooting in skirt and um, um, and men shooting in trousers that that would have gone out a long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, but uh, certainly in terms of things like also on that page is the um, is about the membership forms um, when people join up, um, what boxes what boxes they have available to them to tick, um, and of course straight after doing this module, the first thing I did was went to our national organisation because all of us are members of a club, which makes us which is a member of the of the state organization which is a member of the Australian organization and we fundamentally we join the I apologize about that um, fundamentally we join the um, hopefully someone will ask that in a minute um, <laughs> fundamentally we join the um, the Australian organization when we join archery and so I went straight to the membership the online membership forms and of course, they have only got binary gender options there. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, we need to make a change here. Um, so it just brings things to your consciousness that you haven't even thought about. If you if you only ever want to tick one of those two boxes, you won't think about the need for there to be other boxes. Agreed. You know, so uh, bringing things to your consciousness is is a really important thing. And I just picked up that in the in this one, number six in the checklist. We communicate LGBTI. Uh, plus themed messages via our website and social media, recognising days of significance, et cetera. Like, it's not that they're consciously, well, they're not consciously ignoring those messages. They're just not consciously doing them. And so mm-hmm. by raising the consciousness uh, and 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 just bringing it onto the discussion, bringing it onto the agenda, because if we said to clubs, you know, there's a real positive outcome for this, they go, well, of course we'll do it. 
you know, it, 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 I'm very much of the opinion that it's 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 an education, which is why we're uh, Brian and, and Deb. I'm so glad that you've created the resources, and and so glad that you've come on come on to to share your knowledge and your experience today. It's been just been just wonderful. That's been good. Thank you. So, Ryan, just yeah, in, really it. in closing, and I'll go to each of you in closing. Like, can, so clubs that need help, need help, want support, want to want to go down this journey, go go to the website, um, play. Uh, I've just lost the the URL because I'm on the wrong one. Um, Proudtoplay.org.au, um, yeah. and that's where the the resources are and and the support. Yeah, so um, log on, even if you just type in Proud to Play into Google, it will come up now. Um, and yeah, have a look on the website. We've got um, previous events and things like that. We've got the resources and then we've got um, our social media accounts on there. And then, yeah, if you do want to, because obviously this is a good first step and I think they are very important, but often we find um, clubs and like volunteers then need a little bit of support. So they want to be able to speak to someone to have that support. And that's what we're here for. So um, if anybody ever does want to get in touch or start their journey or do projects etc then um yeah please get in touch either via email and um one of the team will get back to you and we've actually had um quite a few um clubs and organizations especially in regional and rural areas um reach out over the last couple of months to kind of partner and we have partnered on some grants we've been successful with to do some projects and things so um yeah lots of positive things can happen by trying to include more people and fantastic. And Deb, the, the benefit for clubs is obvious, but as uh, coming at it through the, the peak sporting body perspective, you, you would obviously encourage clubs to go through, uh, sorry, peak sporting bodies to to embrace the, the resources and help um, take them down into the clubs and, and into the culture of their sport. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I mean, um, uh, and um, it's so uh it's so um helpful to know that these resources are out there both to help clubs and also at the organizational level um uh where uh sometimes there are questions over um how to best assist um, um people in maybe the trans space to participate in your sport um you know Sometimes you just need some outside expertise to help you with those kinds of things, um, you know, to make that process as painless as possible for everybody involved. Oh, and that, that just brings the collaboration, isn't it? Because you you experience one, and this is what we do in sports community in, in a certain little box, if you like, you experience one, create one experience, and then you can just apply that learning over and over again without having to go through the challenges that created the experience. So, and Ryan, that's what Proud to Play does. It, it, it brings all those experiences together so that we can we can take them out to our community. So, so Ryan Store, thank you so much. Deb Jones, thank you so much for joining us here on the, the Sports Community live stream today. Thank you. Well, I really hope you enjoyed the interview with Deborah and Ryan as much as I did. From my perspective, I found the conversation a real eye-opener. Deborah said it best when she stated Proud to Play's work brought things into her consciousness that she hadn't even thought of previously. For me too, it's unbelievable to think that people 
don't feel safe, don't feel included, don't feel engaged, or don't feel comfortable in our community sports clubs. Ultimately, it's my hope that in sharing Proud to Play's work today, we help bring the aspects of inclusion into our collective consciousness in a way that we hadn't thought about it previously. There are so many great lessons to learn from Deborah and Ryan, not, not the least of which are the practical steps that they share to help create a safe and inclusive environment for the LGBTIQ community. As Ryan outlined, the vast majority of sports clubs, clubs in Australia probably feel like they're already inclusive, that they don't discriminate and that they treat everyone the same. But however, as we've learned in, in the interview, the idea of treating everyone the same is based on the premise that everyone is the same and that's the fundamental flaw in the concept. What became clear from listening to Ryan and Deborah is that clubs should be adapting and need a deeper understanding of how to create a safe and inclusive space for LGBTIQ plus community and its people. And it starts with the education and Proud to Play's e-learning e course is a wonderful first step. Downloadable resources from the Proud to Play website have been created to complement the e-learning course and assist clubs in achieving meaningful change. And these include creating guidelines for LGBTIQ plus inclusion, checklists, engagement tips, posters. The following questions, for example, can be found on the Proud to Play website and are a great way to kickstart inclusion conversation in your club. So questions such as when you're when you when people in your club hear homophobic or transphobic language being used, do they make sure it's called out? Do they really even understand how damaging these words actually are? Do you indicate that your club is safe for the LGBTIQ plus community through things such as posters, signage, a rainbow flag in your club rooms, etc.? Do you have policies, procedures, guidelines for inclusion in place that support the inclusion of the LGBTIQ plus community in your club? Do you offer participation formats that don't segment, segment participants into gender? Do you have a variety of uniform sizes and cuts available to participants? And are participants able to choose what uniforms they wear? Do we communicate LGBTIQ plus theme messages via our website, social media channels? For example, recognising days of significance for this community. Do you have toilets and change rooms and facilities that are labelled unisex or gender neutral? Do you celebrate and respect the diversity of our club members? For example, allowing everyone to play according to their gender identity, allowing the LGBTIQ plus community people to act as role models in the club. Do you engage the local um, LGBTI community organisations such as not-for-profit organisations, local government, youth groups, uh, et cetera? Are your registration forms inclusive uh, or as inclusive as possible? Do you allow people to nominate non-binary or other gen um, gender options? So these are all these are all things that we've, as as community sports clubs, have just not thought about previously. And what we've never understood is the detriment of what not thinking about them is causing to people that really want to play within our community sports clubs. 
So it, it is a lot to consider and we don't need to address everything all at once. It takes time, however, but by reflecting on the questions is a great place to start and we can help turn ideas into action. We can help turn this non-realisation that our, our, our cultures and behaviours within community sports clubs were actually driving groups of people away. And so for sports like archery, these considerations prompted Deborah and the board of Archery Victoria to reevaluate the various subdivisions within the sport and consider ways they could restructure their competition. Updating Archery's registration forms was another order of business high on their priority list. And these might seem small steps, but they make a huge tangible difference in cultivating a more inclusive environment. As Deborah mentioned, archery is a sport with enormous scope for growth and there are very few restraints for participation. And it's all about creating a welcoming environment for all groups within our community who would like to participate. When we're looking at the Doing Sport Differently framework and principles, a crucial step is to engage your target audience to understand what their barriers are and what their motivations are and then systematically put in place things that take away those those barriers. The anecdotes shared by Ryan about the inclusive cricket program run by Yolden Cricket Club in Parkville was a perfect example of how removing barriers led to an increased participation and normalised LGBTIQ plus diversity in the club. Providing a safe, inclusive space for different audiences is vital in seeking to increase your club's capacity. So if you're seeking to become a more inclusive club or sport, I hope today's podcast has given you some food for thought. If you'd like to hear more great examples of how clubs and sports are attracting new people to, to their club, then I invite you to listen to each and every episode of the Doing Sport Differently podcast series and we explore innovative ways of doing sport differently. Before I go, like I always do, I'd like to really thank sports community members for making it possible for us to produce such awesome resources day in, day out, week in, week out for community sports clubs and their volunteers. So if you're a community sports club volunteer, then check out our website, sportscommunity.com.au. And we'd love it for you to consider being a volunteer. So click on the, the, the membership. Uh, sorry, love for you to consider becoming a member and make it easier for you to be a volunteer. So click on the membership tabs on the website, check it out, and we'd love for you to join us being part of the sports community family. So until next week, I'm Steve Pallas. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being part of our sports community. Music.